At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of redlegnation.com. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, the audio version of RedLegNation.com, where we still obsess over everything related to the Reds, but now you get to listen to it. Aren't you fortunate? I'm Chad Dotson, one of the editors of RedLegNation.com, and I'll be your host for this podcast. I tell you, we're happy to be back, finally, for the new season here at Red Leg Nation Radio. In a moment, we're going to bring you the latest interview conducted by RedLegNation.com, but first, one question. Corey Patterson. As you've probably heard if you're listening to this podcast, you've got to be as obsessed as we are, so you probably already know that the Reds signed Corey Patterson to a deal this week. Center fielder, former Cub, former Oriole. Speculation, of course, abounds as to what this means for Jay Bruce. Bruce, of course, is the top prospect in the Reds system. Uh, the Uber prospect, ranked number one by almost every rating service. Uh, Corey Patterson, of course, is one of our manager Dusty Baker's favorites from his days with the Cubbies. If you'll recall, earlier in the year, Dusty Baker spoke about trying to find a leadoff hitter. The Reds needed a leadoff hitter. Talked about Kenny Lofton, if you recall. And one of the people that he talked about maybe signing was, yes, Corey Patterson. Um, What bothered us at that time, and bothers us still, is that Patterson talked about, or excuse me, Baker talked about Corey Patterson being a good option as the leadoff hitter. Uh, we'll get into that in a moment, but here's what ba- Dusty Baker had to say in the last day or two about Corey Patterson. Quote, the main thing is he's still young. To me, he hasn't even really scratched the surface of what he can do. He's one of the fastest runners in the league. He plays a great center field, end quote. And, you know, okay. He is still relatively young, um, 27, 28. And he is one of the fastest runners in the league. No doubt about it, and I'll take Dusty's word that he plays a great center field. I'm not going to argue with that, but what we're doing there is actively avoiding the elephant in the room, which is the career on-base percentage of 298. That's right. Corey Patterson, over eight major league seasons, has compiled a stellar 298 on-base percentage. That is bad. No, that's not just bad. That is Juan Castro bad. As Red Leg Nation editor Chris described, I think he's trademarked this term, 298 on-base percentage is Castrolicious. Now, what's bothersome about that? Our illustrious manager thinks Patterson's a natural leadoff hitter. And what we're looking at here is that old school way of thinking that, well, Patterson's fast. He must be a good leadoff hitter. Uh, he's not going to clog up the bases, certainly, because he's not going to get on base. Um, and if he ever gets on base, he'll be fast. It'll be easy to move around the bases now. Okay, we've tried at Red Nation, and we're going to continue to give Dusty Baker the benefit of the doubt. He has had some managerial success, no question about it. Um, 
in Chicago and in San Francisco. And we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. After all, Patterson hasn't barely had time to be fitted for a uniform yet, and, and we're all hoping the best for Dusty. Let me tell you a little bit of why I'm a little worried uh, about these comments. And I will freely admit, going into this, that I may be making way too much of it. So when you say that in the comments, and feel free to say whatever you like in the comments, just acknowledge that I admit I may be going off the deep edge too early here. But uh, that's what we do. Let, let me just tell you why I'm a little worried. Dusty's already making pointed comments about Jay Bruce's recent quote-unquote injury problems. You know, And I hear that, and I'm a little worried that Jay Bruce's ticket to AAA Louisville is already punched. And, you know, maybe some of you will say that's not a bad thing. And maybe it's not. Now, I can concede that maybe starting the year in Louisville might be the best thing for Bruce's development. I don't personally think it is. And the official position at Red Lake Nation is that Jay Bruce needs to be starting in center field for the Reds from day one this year. But I can understand the other side of that. What bothers me, though, is that Dusty Baker's making these comments about these injuries. And there are no injuries, first of all. According to Jay Bruce, if you read what uh, John Fay had to say in the Cincinnati Enquirer, Jay Bruce said, look, there's no injury problems. He visited with Dusty Baker to clear things up and said, quote, as far as professional baseball, I missed three or four games at the end of last year with a hamstring. Played 133 games last year. In Dayton in 2006, Bruce missed one game. Uh, that doesn't sound like someone with some kind of a history of injury problems that needs to be worried about. doesn't to me anyway. There are no injury problems. He's got a mild strain of his left quad here. He can do everything but a full-out sprint right now, he says. And we're a week into spring training. Now, again, I'm probably worrying needlessly at this point. And I would apologize for that, but that's what we do in the Reds blogosphere. We obsess over the tiniest details. When I hear Dusty Baker making excuses like, uh, or making comments about these so-called injury problems, and I see them signing Corey Patterson, who... Baker has just done nothing but praise and loved him in Chicago, and he's a veteran as opposed to the young guy. You all know what Dusty Baker's rap is, that he likes playing the veterans over the the young guys. And again, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I start to get a little antsy when I hear things like this. Um, it starts to make me wonder how long it's going to be before we've got uh, Homer Bailey, Joey Votto, Jay Bruce all in Louisville. Heck, I might go get, I might go get season tickets for Louisville will have a pretty good lineup. Okay, enough obsessing over that. Um, for all I know, on opening day, Homer Bailey will be in the starting rotation. Jay Bruce will be starting in center field. And uh, Joey Votto will be starting at first base. Dare to dream. On to this week's feature interview. If you followed RedLegNation.com at all, you're familiar with Matt Clanker. Clinker was drafted last June at a Furman University by the Reds. He's a relief pitcher. He immediately signed on as one of our spotlight players at Red Leg Nation. All last season, he provided us with a fantastic glimpse into his first season at rookie ball for the Reds out there in Billings, Montana. He checked in with posts and pictures at uh, the website, and now he's preparing for his second season in the Reds organization. Recently, RedLegNation.com's Bill Lack had a chance to sit down with Matt for a chat, and here's Today we're going to bring you the first part of that revealing conversation. We'll have the second part next week in our next Red Lake Nation radio podcast. Take it away, Bill. This is Bill Lack with Red Lake Nation. We're going to spend a little time today talking to the Reds' right-handed pitcher, Matt Clinker. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. 
big question today is when do you leave for spring training? I will leave February 29th, fly out on a nice little morning flight out of Dayton at about 6 a.m., so uh, looking forward to some warmer weather down in Sarasota. Oh, you're not driving down? No. Yeah, so you're going to be vehicleless down there. Yeah, well, the first-year players have to have to be in the hotel, um, and, and they do have a pretty pretty strict curfew out here about midnight, so... Uh, don't need a car getting in trouble. So. <laughs> Just keep you out of trouble. Exactly. All right, let's let's go back. Uh, where were you born? Uh, Peru, Indiana. Um, minor league baseball has me as uh, Greenville, South Carolina. So I had to had to email their webmaster the other day and and see if we could get that changed. But yeah, Peru, Indiana. And you ended up at Lakota. You went to high school at Lakota yeah. West, which is where my son goes, which is how we connect. Tell us how you got from Peru, Indiana to. Uh, Westchester, Ohio. My dad took a job when I was about four in Madisonville, Kentucky. Um, so I grew up, no, no, obviously no major league team in Kentucky, so I grew up a Reds fan in Kentucky. Also the Cubs, just because they were on WGN all the time. Um, but he took a job with GE in Madisonville, and then prior to my sophomore year in high school, we moved to Westchester, Ohio, and uh, I've been here ever since. Um, it's been weird because I only lived there three years before college, um, and then being being back this off season, I've been gone for basically four years. So, really, finally getting to spend some time out, some some bars and some nightlife scenes in Cincinnati, and, and really getting uh, in high school, you don't really get to take advantage of a lot of the the area, uh, what it has to offer. But I got to do that this off season, which was which was nice. I enjoyed it. You said you were a Reds and a Cubs fan growing up. Who were your, who were the players that you followed? Uh, obviously Ryan Sandberg. Loved Ryan Sandberg. I, I always wanted to be a second baseman, but when you're six five, uh, unless you hit like Alfonso Soriano, uh, and you have a good arm, you're, you're kind of designated to the, the pitching mound. Um, so Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, Mark Grace for the Cubs, and then for the Reds, just just Barry Larkin. Loved Larkin. Um, and Sabo, I think there's something about those those glasses, the Rex specs. I loved them, um, but those are my two favorite Reds. Uh, and then I guess Dibble too. I, I love Dibble, kind of a uh, a tough guy, uh, uh, don't mess with me kind of attitude. I love that. You're 23. 23. And you and you played all four years of college. All four years, yeah. Do you think? That that's an advantage or a, or a disadvantage, and in, in, in when you come to a minor league system, I think um, in terms of life, Steve Kelly and I have worked off in the off season. Uh, former Reds minor leaguer, we've talked a lot about it because he says he's jealous. He spent seven years in the minors. He got drafted as a junior in college, got a good signing bonus, but he's never had time to go back and get his degree. Um, so now that his career might be coming down to an end. Um, you know, he, he's he's envious that he doesn't have a degree. I, on the other hand, you know, uh, I'm looking at the grass greener on the other side. I, you know, I wish I, I had a bigger signing bonus, but I guess I always do have that degree to fall back on. I think in terms of moving up professionally, uh, I think it's, it, obviously it's good to be young. You know, the you always hear the Latin guys, uh, you know, reduce their age on their birth certificates and all that. Um, whether they do or not, I'm not sure, but... Uh, you know, obviously, the guys in the organization have told me, you know, you're already 23. You know, you're, you know we're not going to hold you back. We'll, we'll try to move you up as fast as possible. And then once you get to a level you can't pitch at, well, you know, then, then we'll, you'll have to face the music. But uh, 
So I guess you can take that positive and negative. You're, they're not going to hold you back. They're going to try to push you up as fast as you can. But also that you might not get that second chance if you do, uh, if if you do struggle at a certain so location. You think the, the, your margin of error might be a little yeah, smaller. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you know, I know we had in rookie ball last season, we had a couple guys who will probably go back there again this year. Where you know, I would say a guy that's 23, if he struggles in the spring with his command or something, you know, they probably they probably want to waste their time or, or their their money uh, trying to develop somebody in rookie ball again, which hopefully won't be the case. It won't be but, the case with you. No. Of course, that would also probably depend on where they were drafted too. Sure, most definitely. Yeah. Let's, uh, when did you start? How old were you when you started playing baseball? Um, when my dad took the job in Madisonville, he was a supervisor for second shift, and I had morning kindergarten. So I would get home uh, from kindergarten about twelve thirty, one o'clock, and we we'd play baseball for about wiffle ball for about two hours. So right around five is when I really started playing like every day. And then right after we got done playing the game of wiffle ball, we'd go in, and the Cubs were on WGN. So we'd watch that while he was getting ready for work, and. Uh, you know, just fell in love with baseball ever since. Is your dad a Cubs fan? Uh, my dad is born and raised in Indiana, and uh, he's actually a huge Reds fan, just because, you know, being the big red machine during the time where he was in high school and college. And um, But no, he went to Purdue University, and everyone um, in northern uh, Indiana is obviously a Cubs fan, and um, he definitely bucked that trend, so... When you were younger and playing little league ball and that kind of thing, did you play any other positions other than pitching? I played first base, uh, outfield, um, and a little bit of third, um, but basically just first, just to save the arm. And um, that was one, you know, my dad being a pitcher in college, he he always knew about how to take care of the arm and not play it too much, and um, which was great. I've never had coaches that uh, have tried to abuse my arm, which has definitely been a blessing. Yeah, that, that's a big issue. I mean, oh, it definitely and is. You, you know, you, you, you see the studies of you know, them pitching kids mm -hmm. out when they're very young. But then I also think there's a reverse side of the coin where you look at the, the Japanese pitchers, um, you know, like Dice K uh, for the Red Sox, who he says he just, when he was little, he pitched all the time. And, you know, their arms have gotten used to it. Um, so so I, I mean, there, there's definitely two types of um, study you could do where... Uh, I think it just maybe uh, what you're immune to or what what you're used to, and I I would say definitely err on the side of caution, um, but uh, you know that that would be a much more biomedical study than uh, my brain could handle. How did you end up going from Lakota West to Furman? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I played for a great summer team um, with the the Walt Sweeney Cardinals, coached by a great staff, and we went all over the country. We had a bunch of Division One prospects, and we played a showcase at Furman, and I actually got crushed. I gave up a grand slam, and we barely won the game, and I didn't pitch too long. And when I was, they said, let's give this guy a scholarship. And they said, let's, <laughs> let's sign him up. Um, no, but like the best thing was it, it's a really hard school to get into, so that's like the first criteria you, you face is do you have the academics, which I did. Next one is, well, even after academic money and baseball money, it's still an expensive school, so are, is his family a little financial, financially well off that they can afford it, which, um, you know, uh, my family, uh, my parents were, so 
they were willing to uh, you know support my decision to go there. Um, but it, it was it was weird. The uh, the head coach did his graduate work at Miami University in Oxford, and uh, he he likes the area. He knows it's a great baseball town um, with a lot of potential. So uh, Nick Holsteggy from uh, Xavier uh, Saint X and Tony McConney from Moeller, um, and myself and. Uh, a lot of other Cincinnati kids have uh, made their way down through Furman. Um, so that, that's been neat to, to carpool home during Christmas and um, those kind of things. Uh, you said you do have your degree? I do have my degree, uh, Bachelor of Arts in Business Administration. Uh, hopefully one day go back and maybe get a, my MBA or I, I've even thought about uh, doing some other kind of uh, maybe criminal justice or some other kind of master's degree, but uh, uh, definitely definitely glad I, I finished up. That was always our, our head coach in college. He was definitely a stickler on, on graduating on time. He even made me uh, stay after my junior year to take summer school so that I would graduate on time. He, he was a big stickler about that. That's outstanding. I was looking at some of the the write-up on you at Furman. It looked like you were pretty much, at least by your senior year, you were pretty much the anchor of the staff. Anchor of the staff, um, my freshman year, I worked my way into a starting uh, job uh, on the weekend staff for the second half of the year. Sophomore year came down, uh, didn't really have a good preseason, and then we got a couple other really good pitchers uh, that were recruited. Um, so I lost my starting job in the weekend rotation my sophomore year, um, but we had a best team was my sophomore year in college. And then by my junior year, uh, you know, I worked really hard in the off season and, and claimed our Friday night starting role, which would be the number one starter, and uh, held that my junior and senior year and put up some, some decent numbers. Um, not bad, I guess, good enough to grab some attention of some pro scouts. So uh, had a lot of fun. It, it, was a, it was a great four years. Was If you had to pick a couple highlights of your college career, what would they be? Um... Well, the biggest one, that, the most recent in my mind, uh, the last, my last home start um, of my college career, I had mono. Um, didn't know I had mono, but I, I did have it. I got tested the next day. They didn't let me play for a week, so I didn't want to get tested before the game. It was a, a big rivalry school, the Citadel, down from uh, Charleston, South Carolina. They came up to our place, so it, it was senior weekend, and uh, my whole family was there, and I had never thrown a complete game um, in, in my career. In high, uh, in high school I did, but in college I hadn't. And I, I went the full distance through a three-hit complete game um, and I think about 89 pitches. Wow. So it, I, I, I threw pretty well. And, but two, two out of the three hits were home runs. <laughs> and we actually won with a walk-off homer in the bottom of the ninth. So it was, a, it was an amazing game. Um, I think I collapsed after the game because I was vomiting and just not feeling well, but it was a great game. And I, I remember sitting in the bottom of the ninth in the dugout thinking, I'm going to get a no decision after going three hits in nine innings. And then uh, I think Tony McConaughey, our catcher, hit a walk-off home run to win it. So uh, that was another. And then my sophomore year, we won the conference tournament. Uh, we had 11 teams in the conference. Only eight teams make the tournament. Going into last weekend, we were the ninth-ranked team. We had to sweep the da uh, Davidson um, to ma even make it in the tournament. Friday night, we're down by three runs going into the top of the ninth. We're the visiting team. 
Our third baseman hits a grand slam to take us up by one. Our closer comes in, shuts the door. Next two games, uh, we win by, I think, five and six runs. Go in the tournament, sweep, make it to the to the regional to play Georgia Tech in the in the regional. And that was a, that was probably the next favorite moment of my college career. When did you when did you realize that you had a chance to play at the next level? Um, my my sophomore year, I started getting um, some some letters from some scouts. Uh, I pitched against South Carolina and beat them in the regular season because uh, I wasn't our conference starter. Um, which was probably a blessing because I got to pitch against some really good teams. I pitched against South Carolina, beat them. Uh, University of Tennessee beat them. Those they were both ranked in the top 25. Um, and then we went on to win the conference tournament. I was throwing 91, 92. So I started getting some some interest from some scouts. And then my junior year, um, you know, my first eligible draft year, uh, a lot more. Um, so a lot more interest, uh, a lot of letters, a lot of phone calls. Um, but I, I think when I was filling out the questionnaires about how much money it would take to sign, I think I, I put my put my dollar amount a little bit out of the ballpark. Um, I just I, I didn't know how much to ask for, and you know, I, I couldn't get an agent because then I'd be ineligible for my senior year. So I really didn't know what to do. But in the end, it worked out. Um, and then senior year. I was almost 99% sure I was going to get drafted, which was a really reassuring feeling going into the season, um, just to have fun and enjoy it, because we didn't have the greatest team my senior year, um, just the talent was a little bit down, um, but we had a really good time, a really fun season, and uh, it capped off by getting drafted. So, Were you, were you drafted about the level you expected? Um, a little bit below, uh, but definitely glad I got picked up by the Reds. Um, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to know what the what scouts are thinking, what what the team is thinking about where you're gonna be. They they try to hide their hand of cards from you, um, which I guess that's their job, and um, that's how they can drive down the signing bonuses a little bit. But uh, you know, fifteenth round is perfect. Um, I'm glad I didn't fall any lower, um, and uh, you know I was just glad to get selected by the Reds. Um, but uh, it, it was awesome to, to watch the draft board online um, last June and have your name pulled up. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're drafted in the 49th round or the first round. That's uh, a wonderful feeling and something that can never be taken away from you. So. Um, yeah. Is that how you found out? Did you were drafted? You saw it online? Yeah, I saw it online. Um, and then about five minutes later, I, I got the, the call from the, the scout who turned my name into the Reds. So, um, the computer, uh, the age of technology. Was there any were there any issues about you signing? I mean, was there any problems or was it pretty much a... Uh, no, no problems at all. My dad, uh, my dad, when I called him, he's like, hey, it's with the Reds. Is there any way they'll throw season tickets in? I'm like, oh, no, here we go, Dad. I don't, I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they swing that way. Um, so, yeah, there's no issues. I mean, I, I had, didn't have a lot of leverage, but the Reds definitely worked with me to, uh, you know, to, to make sure that it was a, a good deal and everything went through smoothly. What other teams? Did you do other teams showing you interest going into the draft? Yeah, a lot of other teams. Um, after the college season was over, um, a lot of pro teams have uh, pre-draft workouts. 
Um, I got invited to the Indians and the Twins and also the White Sox. Um, because I had mono, I was a little limited, um, so I only went to the White Sox, and I threw really well, um, and I thought they were going to uh, pick me up around the 10th round, but uh, it didn't work out. Um, but I made some, the best thing was I made a lot of good friends when I went to the pre-draft workouts, and some of them were out in the same um, Pioneer League with me. And then when I went to the Reds pre-draft workout um, on June 2nd before the draft, uh, I got to meet a couple other guys that ended up getting drafted by the Reds as well. Um, so that was a good thing to have in common with those guys. Let's talk about specifically about your pitching. What, what do you throw? Um, well, uh, I throw a four-seam and two-seam fastball. Um, I'm a, a low three-quarter kind of guy, so my two-seam fastball is kind of my, my money pitch. Run it in on righties, run it away from lefties. Um, my best off-speed pitch would definitely be my change-up. Um, and, and with the two with the three-quarter arm angle, uh, the pitching pitching guys in the organization have wanted me to work on a, on a slider. Where I, in the past I've thrown a 12 to 6 curveball. Um, so this off season I've tried to develop the slider, um, and it's basically right now a slurve, um, which is a good pitch. It's a you know it's a two plane curveball. Um, it'll it'll break out and it'll break down. Um, and that's the pitch I've really been trying to develop this offseason. That pitch as well as the, the outside fastball, trying to stick that on the outside part of the plate. Because uh, last season I had a, a lot of problems with uh, um, getting my ball to tail back across the plate uh, when I'm trying to stay away from a hitter um, and, and leaving a lot of pitches fat. So that's not, that's not going to help. When you go into spring training and you're talking about working on your, your slider, it's, is it a bit of a conundrum? I mean, you're trying to impress the coaches because you're planning to try to get to a certain level, but then you you got things you're trying to work on to improve. Sure, um, definitely. Um, and like I said, the my 12 to 6 curveballs, the curve, you know, my breaking ball that I'm more comfortable with. But I think uh, I have to raise my arm angle a little bit to to throw it consistently. And the slurve or the slider is is definitely out of my normal arm angle. So I think in the long run, yeah, that's going to be my better pitch. But like you said, to impress the scouts and, and, and the, the coordinators and the instructors in and, and spring, you know, it, it's hard to not go to, your, to what's comfortable for you and what's consistent. Um, but I think it's, it's just, uh, you got to listen to them. you got to trust them that they're, they're there to help you. Um, so, uh, you know, I think I'll, I'll, be, I'll be good um, with trying to develop and just get better. Looks like your your strikeout walk ratio is pretty good. It was pretty good, even pretty good last year. Um, you, uh, are you a, more of a ground ball or a fly ball pitcher? Um, definitely more of a ground ball uh, with the two seam fastball running in, and then the changeup that breaks down. I get a lot of guys that just roll over on it. Um, so I try to keep my third base and my shortstop busy. Um, but uh, you know, in pro ball, sometimes the fences. Uh, even with the wood bats, they're a little shorter than you had hoped. So, uh, yeah, I definitely want to keep the ball on the ground and out of the jet stream. I heard it, I've heard it blows out pretty well at night in Dayton. Um, and I know a great American launching pad, uh, definitely want to keep the ball on the ground. Um, yeah, you get the ball up in Dayton and it's safe. How many innings did you throw last year? I threw... Um, and the, Combined. 
Yeah. I, in the fall, I threw about 20 innings at college. And then in the spring, I threw, I think, about 90 to 100. And then in the summer, I was uh, second in the team in innings for uh, the new draft picks. Uh, Drew Bowman from uh, Nebraska led the team. He was a seventh-round pick. He led the team in innings for new draft picks. I was second, I think, with 42 or 43. Pretty good, 41.1. Yeah, 41.1. <laughs> um, so uh, all totaled up about 150 innings. So, Which I think, I mean, that's about right on for what this year will be for a full uh, minor league season. How did your How did your arm handle the the low, the pitching load? The my arm felt great, um, except for like the three weeks um, right after I had mono, and I don't even think it was the mono. I think it was the break from everyday throwing with the college team to the everyday throwing with the with the Mustangs. Um, I tried to throw as much as I could, as much as my mom would let me, being sick. Um, but uh, it, just the the little bit of layoff and just not the the organized setting of being around a team and throwing and getting your work in every day. I, I think it, the first two or three weeks I was out in Billings, it hurt me. Um, but but my arm felt great. My body felt wonderful. The the training staff um, that we had out out in Billings, uh, you know, it's definitely different than in college. In college, you have a full week between your starts. So you can hit the weights a little bit harder um, in between your starts. And in, in, in pro ball, it's almost like a just to maintain. You, you don't go too hard. Just try to keep those muscles up. Um, but, yeah, my body felt great. I think I can definitely handle a full season this year uh, with no issues. Were you happy with your season at Billings? Um, I wanted – I knew the hitters would be better, but then I thought it would be compensated by the wood bats. So going into the season, I wanted to have about the same ERA that I had in college. It ended up being a little bit higher. Um, so going by the numbers, I wasn't happy. Um, but just thinking about all the you know all the hitters I got to see and just learning how to pitch, and um, I, I was happy overall with uh, just how how the season went. Not necessarily my performance. I mean, I don't think. I could have had a one ERA and not been happy with my performance. I think there's always something I could work on and improve on. Um, uh, so uh, there, I'm not gonna harp on anything. You know, I'm not gonna dwell on anything. Um, you know, there's things I definitely needed to improve on. I, I've tried hard this off season to improve on those things. So um, hopefully we can improve on those this season. Tell us about the good and the bad about playing in Billings, Montana. Wow, there's. It's exactly that. There's almost polar opposites. There's the awesomely good and the terribly bad. Um, the awesomely good part is just there's not a lot of distractions. Um, yeah, you're playing in front of a great crowd, and even last year, Cobb Fields last last year, it, you know, it wasn't. It's not a new. It's no Great American Ballpark. It's not. Um, I think Dragons Field is. I lost the. Dragon Stadium or Fifth Third Field. Fifth Third Field. It's not going to be those kind of facilities, um, but it was also nice because it was historic Cobb Field, and that was great about sending it off on the right note. And 
um, you know, that they're going to have a new ballpark this year. Also, what was great is Montana was wonderful. It was so beautiful. We got to go out to the, the mountains on our days off and fly fishing, and that was wonderful. Uh, the negative things were no one had their cars out there, um, which made transportation definitely an issue. Uh, riding around on public transportation was an eye-opening experience, um, humbling experience, but one I also enjoyed. And uh, um, what, what the negatives weren't definitely did not outweigh the positives. Um, it was a, a wonderful summer, uh, eye-opening experience, like I said. Um, but uh, I think the guys this year, with the new stadium being built, um, the, the rookies this year will, will enjoy it just as much, if not more, than we did last year. When the season ended in Billings, did the, did the coaching staff or the organization do some kind of debrief on you on, at the end of the season? Yeah, they give you a nice little debrief. Uh, the pitching uh, coordinator uh, came out. Well, he was out already out there um, to finish the season with us. So he debriefed us on what he wanted us to work on. Um, the strength and conditioning coordinator came out, um, Sean Mamone, and you know he told us our target weight uh, for spring training, which uh, I'm glad to say that I'm right at. Um, it's a $25 fine for every pound that you're over or under. Uh, so uh, and when you aren't making any money, when that's you're a not lot. making a lot of money, 25 <laughs> bucks a pound is a lot. Um, so he gives you your target weight, your target body fat, and all those kind of uh, nutritional issues. Um, so they definitely give you a nice little plan uh, to go into the off season with um, to get ready for spring training. You started a couple of games in Billings. Most of your appearances were relief appearances, but you, you mostly started in college. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer to start? Um, yeah, that's been the talk. You know, maybe maybe as a reliever in Sarasota or as a starter in Dayton or you know, or vice versa, uh, what my role is going to be this year. I really think it's going to depend on uh, how my curveball develops. If I can get a dominant third pitch, uh, you know, I think a 6'5 guy who throws 90 to 92 with two good off-speed pitches is a, you know, prototypical starter. Um, but also, I'm not, uh, not opposed to being a relief pitcher at all. Uh, I think I, my velocity would go up a little bit. Um, if I was out of the bullpen, because you just have that inning or two stint that you can just rear back and let it go. Um, but it, it was it was interesting. I never did a uh, a stint like in Billings where I went, you know, two innings is sh or two weeks I'd be in a short relief role. Two weeks I was long relief. Two weeks I was a, a starter. Um, that was interesting to see how I, I, I prepared and responded to each situation. Um, and I mean. My ERA was definitely the lowest when I was a starter, so um, hopefully I'll be a starter, but like I said, definitely not opposed um, to working out of the bullpen. Two things come to mind off, to, off of what you just said. One is you talked about they, they changed your roles mm -hmm. periodically, and other pitchers I've talked to talked about that. Bo Lanier talked about that when we, when we talked. And he said it's a little disconcerting to try to, to, try to have your, your, you know, try to get things together. If uh, if they change your role all the time, do you think part of that's a test to see how you deal with it by the organization? Hmm. I don't know if it's a test to see how you would deal with it. I think it, I, I don't. I mean, a lot of guys have conspiracy theories about the organization and what they're thinking. 
I think they're just interested to see how how you do in each role, and, and that's about it. Um, I don't I don't think they they try to play mind games with well how will he respond if he's a starter, and uh, you know I don't I don't think uh, I don't think they they try to get into those games, um, but they definitely want to see um, you know the way you prepare to be a starter, the way you prepare to uh, come in for one batter or one inning. Um, or uh, a long stint out of the bullpen. And I think it's important that they settle that early so that later they don't have to, to tweak that. Um, once you do have a really good game plan going into being a starter and your set routine, because um, those, are, those are hard habits to get out of once you're in those. You talked about you know the possible. You talked about the possibility of maybe starting as a reliever in Sarasota or, or starter in Dayton. Is this the organization talking, or was this something that, that you have, have, have kind of thought about? No, just yeah, just me thinking about it, and uh, uh, just uh, you know what what could happen. Um, just looking about where uh, the organization has the you know depth depth wise, uh, where I'd kind of fall. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I know a, a lot of the time they don't go about how you perform in the spring. Um, they do on how you're developing. Um, but my off-season workout, I just got done throwing a bullpen tonight. I threw really well. I was really happy with myself. Um, so hopefully I'll light it up in spring training and, um, you know, they'll push me right along. Where do you think, where do you see the organ? Where, where do you think? think the organization lends itself best to fast promotion? Do you think it's as a starter? I mean, you hear these young guys' names, quite Sueto and, and the kid they got from Texas whose name I, I can't remember at, the, at this time, and the Maloney kid. Um, that's three young starters, and there's a oh, and Homer Bailey. Yeah. That's the fourth. All guys that are that are approximately your age. Right, and, and then you got guys in the bullpen like... Um, Stanton and yeah, you got uh, older guys some older guys. And, and that's an area that the Reds have struggled of late. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they spent the big money on Cordero, but he's, what, 35, 36? Mm -hmm. And the young guys in the coming out of the bullpen, the name you're hearing right now in the papers around here, and I'm sure you've seen it too, is, is Renicky. Right. I mean, they say the kid throws 98, and, and but he hasn't pitched above double-A ball. Right. Um. It's hard to say in, in terms of the Reds organization what moves up faster. I know in in, in baseball generally, uh, you know, they try to take starters a little slower just to make sure that once you get there, you're good. Uh, you can you can stay there, uh, or that they'll take the starters slow through the minors and then they'll bring them up quick, but they'll put them in a bullpen role. Um, the old Earl Wheeler, Wheeler school. Exactly. Um, as far as the Reds go, I think you know if you put up if you put up good numbers, you're going to get moved up. Um, I, our pitching depth is a little light right now, but I think uh, the minor leagues uh, are full of good pitching. Uh, I think our scouts have done a wonderful job finding some talented guys. Thanks a lot, there. Matt Clinker, and great work by Bill Lack as well. Appreciate Matt giving us some time at Red Leg Nation. Be sure to stay updated on Matt and the rest of our Spotlight players via their Spotlight player pages linked at the top left column at redlegnation.com. That's it for this Red Leg Nation radio podcast. As always, feel free to contact us at chad, C-H-A-D, at redlegnation.com. 
if you've got any suggestions, if you've got any comments. Now, do me a favor. Please don't send in a suggestion that I talk with less of a southern accent. That's just not going to happen. Please do, however, send us your feedback. This obviously is a work in progress. Things are getting smoother as we go along. But we do appreciate your feedback on the podcast here. Thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll see you in the comments at redlegnation.com.